Thanks for joining the Fisher's Life Podcast. We hope that what God is doing in our spirit-filled community will also bless you today. To get connected, follow us on Instagram at Fisher's Life. We hope you enjoy this week's message. I, I'm almost feeling like I'm about to get outside of myself because I want to preach so bad this morning. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5 is where I want to take my text. It's uh, Jesus still here on this earth. Um, and it's right before he ascends into heaven. And this is some of the last words that he's, he speaks before they watch him translate up into the heavenlies. And this is what he says, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he had said, you have heard from me. Verse 5 it says, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I want to talk on this, just this, about the day of Pentecost. Um, a day that if we're not careful, we, we get lost. I want, to, I want to give you a background. I want to give you some history about this day because we, we tie it all to the book of Acts. But it's not that day. And this is, this is important to understand the power of God, the dynamic of who God is and what he does and how he orchestrates and maneuvers everything. I believe he's in control of your life. Do you believe he's in control of your life? Do you believe he's in control of this world? In the midst of the craziness that is going on all around our country, the COVID, the, the racial tensions, all those things that are going, I still have a great confidence that there is a God in control. And not only do I believe that, but I believe that God can change and can use all the stuff that's going on to pour out his spirit in one of the greatest ways. I was telling Mary, we we're sitting, at, uh, eating one day, and, uh, yesterday or a couple days ago, I have got to settle down. I just am so excited this morning. What is with me? I was telling her, I said, we have been praying for some eight years. We have circled this city for nearly eight years. Saturday night prayer meetings for over eight years. And what have we been praying? At least what we have been praying is, God, pour out your spirit. God, do something that just absolutely blows us away. And could it not be that this moment, that what we're dealing with, COVID and all, could be God going, I am doing it. And it's going, no, 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 no. This is not what we, what we had it look like. This is not what we blueprinted for you, God. Can I tell you, most of the things God does is not on our radar. We don't have build an ark. We don't have bring a flood in our, in our, in our plans. We don't have Jerry what call walls coming down. We have God orchestrating something little pretty and, and, and perfect for our little world. But I'm here to tell you, I believe God. There's a momentum. There is something that is transpiring that's happening. And I said, what if God is just using this moment, the power of, of all the problems to get the attention of the world and the power of God to fall in a way that we've never seen it fail. I believe that could be the very purpose that we're walking through. It's like, what is God doing? Where is God in all this? I don't know, but I have a confidence that he's doing something. Day of Pentecost is not, did not start on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. You have to go way back, and this is important for you to understand. You have to go all the way back to the book of Exodus. It is there that Pentecost starts. 
So Pentecost wasn't a day that, it, it was a day that happened in the book of Acts, but it all began back at the Exodus when God had that moment. The tenth plague took place, and the children of Israel, and, and anybody, anybody that believed in the blood of Jesus, or the blood of God, that the blood of God over a doorpost could save your family. You could be Jew, you could be, uh, you could be a heathen, you could be a, 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 an Egyptian, you can be anybody. Because God saves everybody. Anybody that will believe. Anybody that puts faith in the blood. From then till now, if you have faith in the blood, God's going to help you. And they had to take that spotless lamb and they had to put the blood over the doorpost and eat the, the meat of the lamb. And anybody that did that, when that death angel come over that, that land that night, everybody that had blood over the door, everybody that has blood on their life, they shall be saved. That blood was over that doorpost. And from that moment, they recognized a sovereign God, a powerful God that could keep them, that could protect them, that could, could lead them and guide them. And they said, from this point forward, we are going to remember this day. We're going to call it the Passover. And every year, do you see it on your calendar, that Passover day? It's the day that they celebrated when God brought them out of Egypt, that God spared their lives through the blood. But there was something else that transpired. Not only did that take place, and they've celebrated that now for nearly 3,500 years. 1,500 years to the time of Christ, and now nearly 2,000 years there, we're still celebrate the Passover. But there was a, another celebration. It was seven weeks later, the day after that, the 50th day. It was called the, the Feast of Weeks. It was called the Feast of, of Harvest. It was called the First Day Fruits, First Fruits Day. It's Pentecost. And it's the moment of celebration when they would bring their crops in, the first gathering of their grain. And just because they wanted to know, God, you're not only the God of, of protection, but you're the God of provision. Somebody needs to know God's not just the God of protection, he is also the God of provision. And so that 50th day, on, on that 50th day from the, wherever they came, once they came into the promised land and grain was good, they would bring their first fruits offerings. They would bring that first fruit, that fruit, uh, that sacrifice of wheat, and they would bring it in. And people would come that had not met one another. They would come from all places, and they would gather in whatever city it was at the time. And by the time, 1,500 years later, at the time we get to the book of Acts, we get to the time of Jesus, it's still taking place. They celebrate the Passover, and they, then 50 days later, here they all come from all over the land, from south, southern Israel, from northern Israel, from people from outside the land. They come to Jerusalem and they gather together and it is a celebration. I'm here to tell you that the Jewish people liked to party. Every time you see festival, you got to think party. We should have a spirit of, of celebration in us as Christians because God has not just protected us, but he is a God that has provided for us. 
And so it is. I want you to, to have this dynamic that, that you understand that the day of Pentecost has been something that has been taking place year after year after year. For 1,500 years, they have been doing this celebration. And a God of orchestration, a God that is in control, a God that is arranging everything puts all things in motion, not just some things in motion. When it was time for him to go to the grave, he said, you're not going to take my life. I'm going to give my life. you got to have some confidence today. I'm here to bring some faith today that God's in control. You're, they're not going to take my life. I'm going to give my life. I'm setting up the stage. I'm setting up the dynamic. So when it's time, what hits the hearts of the Pharisees? Now's the time to crucify him. Now's the time to bring him on trial. When was that? Oh, it just so happened it was during Passover, the time when you would bring a lamb that would take care of the sins for another year. But this time, they didn't realize that they were bringing a lamb that was going to take the care of the sins of all time, that the spotless lamb, Jesus Christ, was not giving, not, they weren't taking his life, but he says, I'm going to show you I am in control and I am giving my life. I am becoming the perfect sacrifice. I am the blood that will cause sins to be passed over. You get the blood of Jesus on your life and your sins are washed away. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You've got to know you've got a God that's in control. And he goes to that grave. He dies. He resurrects, comes back, spends 40 days. And then on that 40th day, he goes, boys, it's time for me to leave. Because I'm getting ready to orchestrate something else. I'm getting ready to create another change. You thought the death was something. You thought the burial was something. You thought my resurrection. You have not seen anything yet. Now, you guys, I'm going to give you the exact date, but you just go and wait in Jerusalem for the promise. Can I tell you? He already knew what day that was going to be. Sometimes you just got to wake God out. He's not going to give you all the details. He's not going to give you all the explanation, but he's got a plan. He's orchestrating things together. And what does he know? See, I, I'm going to tell you this. I believe God, and this is going to sound bad because I am not a, I think the church needs to be structured and have business principles, but this is not a business. This is a spiritual experience. We got too many churches that are having religious experiences that, that are they're just orchestrated. But that's not what God does. But God is the greatest marker of all times. Everything he did was planned. He, it was a marketing strategy. Well, it's time to do a miracle. What can I do today? I know, let's spit in, spit in mud and put it in somebody's eyes. That will get their attention. And he gets their attention, and then he teaches them the gospel. He tells them about the kingdom. And constantly he's doing that. And so here it is. It's the 40th day. Guys, I want you to go wait for the promise. You should have known. But like all of us, we're not brilliant enough to figure out the plans of God. If, if we would have, we would have skipped the first nine days and showed up on the 10th. 
right? Well, I spend all that time when well, I know, <laughs> learned his plan. He, he's going to do that on that Pentecost thing, I know. But we ain't that smart. We ain't got it all figured out that, that great. Huh? It's just going to be another, oh, Pentecost is coming up. We're going to have a party. Ain't no party like a a Holy Ghost party, but they don't know it. It's no party like a Pentecost party. That's what they would say. They ain't no party like a Pentecost party. Because when a Pentecost party comes, we're going to eat some food. That's what they did. They're going to shake some bread in the air. Before there was shake it up, it was let's shake up the bread. And so they were already anticipating that moment. But now i got to go to Jerusalem. i got to go wait. And what is this promise? And what is the deal of this promise? And so they go and they wait and they pray and they pray and they pray and they pray. And they, they go through them, all that. And we get to the day of Pentecost. And what, why would God orchestrate that day? Because what else is happening? People are going to be coming in from the south. People are going to be coming in from the east. People are going to be coming in from Galatia. People are going to be coming in from Corinth. People are going to be coming in from Rome. They're gathering together to celebrate that moment. And God knows if there's any moment that I can pour out my spirit and send it back, it is in that moment of time when I bring them all into Jerusalem and they're going to have their party. That's the moment. So now you have background to the day of Pentecost. It's not what, it is what happened on that day, but it is all set up. I believe all the way back to the beginning, because he knows the end from the beginning. I'm setting this all up because there's going to come a day when I'm going to pour my spirit out and it's going to fall out of that upper room on the people. They're going to speak in language they didn't know. There's going to be a fire. There's going to be a wind. And people from all over Jerusalem are going to be centered around this little street. The gospel's going to fall over the place. And can I tell you, the very first spiritual pandemic... This pandemic isn't new. It's a God thing before it ever became a Satan thing. It's a God thing. It falls on 120, and then a couple of chapters later, it's 3,000, and then a little bit later, it's 5,000, and then they had, it had been noise throughout the entire city, and by the time you get to Acts 17... These are they that have turned the world upside down. Can I tell you, Pentecost is the greatest thing that has ever been brought to you and I. I'm here to celebrate this day. People want to water it down, take it away. But I'm going to tell you, in my estimation, it is the, one, the third greatest day of all mankind that we've ever experienced. I'd put number one that when God said, I'm coming to earth, they had been anticipating his birth for the longest time. Number one, God coming, robing himself in flesh and coming dwelling among mankind. That's number one. Number two, I'd put the death, the burial, the resurrection, the second greatest thing you could experience. But the next thing I would put on my list 
is the day when the power of the Holy Spirit fell in that upper room and it changed the course of history. It changed your life. It changed my life. It changed everything about our world. I don't care how bad racial tensions fall. If a power of the Holy Spirit hits this country, it changes everything. There's nothing going to solve it like the power of God. I am a believer. I am a believer in the day of Pentecost. I am a believer in that upper room experience. And it wasn't for them way back then. It is for us today. People want to water it down. Religion wants to diminish it. They want to you get on Google and you can find everything. What I would suggest is tri- quit trying to find a reason to explain it away and say, God, I want to experience it like they did on that day. I would love to have a church both in this room and on our streaming service to say, God, let us experience day of Pentecost again and again and again. I contend it is the third greatest day. It is the day that it became, instead of God with us, God in us. God with us is wonderful. God with us turns, uh, it, it opens red seas. It sets people free. That's God with us. God was with Saul. God was with David. It says the spirit would overshadow them and come down on them. That is absolutely awesome. Daniel would experience the three Hebrew children. But I'm telling you, as much as we might want to walk up to them, any one of those Old Testament heroes and say, what was it like to be in the lion's den? What was it like when you saw those walls fall? What was it like to walk through that water? I'm here to tell you, they're going to be running up to us, those that experienced day of Pentecost. Oh, we got to see him do miracles outside. We got to see him do all kinds of things. But would you tell us what it was like when you felt the presence of God come inside of you? Oh, Oh, that's what we will. What was that like? And you'll be able to tell them as Isaiah, Jeremiah said, it was like fire shut up inside of my bones. I couldn't stand still. It overwhelmed me. It changed my life. It changed my family. It changed my generation. It changed my lineage. It changed my heritage. That is the power of Pentecost. Woo! Let's give God a hand of praise this morning. I'm here to tell you, you're in the midst of revival. It has come across the track. It used to be that those that spoke in languages unknown and experienced the fire and felt the energy of the Spirit inside of them were disdained and looked down on and mocked. But it's jumped the tracks. It's now something they call them Baptocostals. They call them Catholicostals. They call them Methocostals. Because it is simply this. These people have experienced the power of Pentecost. That day that transformed lives. God is resurrecting a fresh Pentecost. It is the greatest hour. Not God in me, but God, not God with me, but God in me. What Pentecost is not, it's not a one-time experience. It is something 
that happens over and over and over. And one of the sad things, and I'll come back to it in just a few minutes, is some of us allowed Pentecost to just be a one-time experience. And can I ask you, when's the last time you've experienced a Pentecost? Can I tell you that Simon, Peter, James, and John, that group of men, they experienced it in Acts 2, but then they experienced it again in Acts 4, and they experienced it again. You need to re-experience over and over the refreshing. This is the refreshing, it says in the book of Acts, that comes over you and reinvigorates you, revives you, restores you. If your religion is crusty, you need to say, God, send me a fresh touch of Pentecost. It is not a one-time experience. It's just not just the speaking of an unknown language. That is the initial sign for you. Because I don't want anybody telling me that I got it. Well, you got it because you exhibit the gifts. You, you do it because you have the fruit. I want to know, as they experienced on that day, what Jesus told them to go and wait for on that day. I want to experience it just as they did because I don't want there to be any question. Well, Simon Peter, what did you get? Well, I got it on the day of Pentecost, and then I experienced it again in Acts chapter 4, and then I was talking about it, and it all fell on us in, in Cornelius' house, and we did it again over and over. What did you get? Well, I had somebody let me sign a card. I had somebody tell me that I received it because I was a really good person, and I exhibited No, don't buy that. But it's not just the language. If all you got was a, a, a 30 second or a minute long little explosion of speaking in a language, you have cheated yourself out of the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. It, it gives you boldness, it gives you authority, it gives you an anointing, it changes the direction of your life. You are not the same person, you are different. And it is called a baptism, and we're going to hit that here in a moment too. It is not also, it's not a religion. Not a religion. Because religion takes it and puts all kinds of stipulations and rules. Not a religion. It's an experience. Not a religion. Somebody turn to somebody and say, this is not a religion. That's why I'm glad we just went to a church with non-denom. Because I want you time that, well, you also got to do this, you got to do all this. No, you, you just need to experience Pentecost. You need to let the power of God come inside of you. It's not a band and a song and a little show. I'm going to go after everything this morning. Got the theologians upset. I'm going to get the worship team. It's not a band. It's not a song. Not just good music and make you feel good and do your little. It is the power of God. I'm going to come back at it. It's boldness. It's power. It's authority. And dear God, it's not something you have to do. We have beat people over. You got to have the Holy Ghost, or you're not going to heaven. So who made you God? 
But just that, just that very tone, I'm just going to tell you, when you eat good chicken, you're going to tell everybody where that chicken is. You eat good steak, you're going to tell everybody where that steak is. You eat good pizza, you're going to tell everybody where that pizza is. Come on now, don't get silent on me. You eat good ice cream, you're going to tell everybody. you got to get down there that handles, and you got to get some of that spouse like a house. It's the best stuff going. And I pray over it. I anoint it. There is no diabetes in that spouse like a house. Uh-uh. And yes, it is called spouse like a house. I did not make that up. Don't go after my wife. But when you eat good stuff, you don't force. You have got to eat this. Bless God, if you don't eat this, we're not friends anymore. And that's how we have treated the Holy Spirit. It is the greatest privilege. It is the most dynamic, awesome thing that you will ever do in your life, experience in your world. There is nothing greater than getting overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is an awesome privilege to say, I have been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm changing the dynamic. I'm changing the rules. It's not a must. It's I get to. I got to. So those are things it's not. But what is it? It is the Spirit of God inside of you. And when you yield to it, possibility comes to your life. Does it make you perfect? Dear God, no. It does not make you perfect. Exhibit A and exhibit the rest of you. (laughs) You is not perfect. You're not close to perfect. Those of you married, all we have to do is talk to your spouse. And for you those dating, just ask any of the 10 people that quit dating you. Not perfect. But when I yield myself to the power of God, his spirit works into me. His perfection works through me. His possibility works in me. It is God's spirit inside of me. It is not only God's spirit inside of me, it is also the power of God inside of me. It's God's power living inside of you. I love when David said, and the power of God overshadowed David, and he killed the giant. But the problem is the power of God said, okay, I'm still with David, but I'm, I'm not in him. I just come upon him to give him abilities. God is in you. And if we ever realize the power of the intent of the, the power of God, the intensity of what is inside of you, I'm going old school. MC Hammer, don't touch it. Don't touch me. I'm explosive. I might go off at any time because I have so much faith that when you say you have sickness, when you really have the baptism of the Spirit, you say, let's pray and see what God will do. We expect the miraculous. We expect God to do things, to change situations. The power of God. But when we water it down and we, we diminish its value and we, we just simply say it's a nice little social thing that makes us look pretty. And we're really about the social gospel. Social gospel stinks. 
You feed them and they still go to hell. But I give you something that when you experience it, it changes your destination. It changes your spirit. It changes everything. I'm here. I'm excited. I'm telling you, the third most important day that this world has ever seen is the day of Pentecost when God orchestrated and arranged the power of God to fall in your life. And it is the resurrection power inside of you. Above everything else that I know, I, I, that, I, that I think about it, it is this. The reason I, ha- I, lo- I preach it the way it's talking about this way is because this is one thing. I, I only know of one man. One that, oh, actually, there was three. Enoch. God said, just come on. I don't know how that dude did it. He's, you're so good. Just come on. Boom. And then Elijah. Same thing, right? Just, hey, Elijah, you are absolutely incredible. I wish I knew what the man did. I'm sending a chariot, a fire, and some angels down. You just hop on and come on up to heaven. What's your legacy? Well, nothing much. I just hopped on a chariot of fire with angels and went into heaven. But neither one of them tasted death. There's only one that tasted death, conquered it, went into the grave, spent three days there, took the keys to death, hell, and the grave, came back out of that grave and was seen walking, not amongst a couple people, but thousands of people saw him for 40 days, not four minutes, 40 days he walked around. He grabbed some Long John Silvers, had some fish and chips. And then he ascended into heaven. There's a lot of people, I like their spirits. And said, man, I would like to have that man's spirit. They're juvial. They're fun. Love to have their spirit. There's people that are humble. One of the men that I I, I love the most was a a man by the name of, um, yeah, can't even remember his name. James Kilgore, thank you, Mary. He's so lifted up and highly exalted in my mind that I can't even remember his name. His name was Jim Kilgore, pastored in Houston, Texas. He was one of the most meek and humble men that I'd, I'd ever met. And his ministry from the pulpit was so amazing. And I've always said if I could pattern my, my ministry, my life after anybody, it would have been Jim Kilgore because he had that spirit. I thought, if I could have the spirit of Jim Kilgore, do you understand what I'm saying? There are people that you know in your life, they're meek, they're, they're tender, they're kind. You're like, man, why can't I have that? I'm a, such a louse compared to them. And maybe it's somebody that's, that has tons of personality. I, I struggle with that sometimes. I, I love to watch Jensen Franklin. It's like, that, that dude, I think that guy could sell ice cubes to Eskimos. He just, oh, y'all, you got that southern thing, didn't get any of that stuff. Are we okay today? It's like, man, if I could have that spirit that he has, you just, it's like, as soon as you get around, you're like, man, everybody. I'm like, I'm so glad that we're having COVID isolation. Sorry, y'all, I'm in my happy place. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. Makes... 
But if I could have one spirit be in me, what spirit would that be? Somebody that had already conquered death, hell, and the grave. That spirit, not on me, but inside of me. So that whether I'm dead or whether I'm alive, whether I'm walking on this terra firma or I hear a trumpet sound from the grave, something quickens inside of this mortal body. And like Elijah, when he asked, can these dead bones live? These dead bones live. Yes, they can. Suddenly, we had come out of that grave alive to be with him. The power of the resurrection is the greatest reason to experience the power of Pentecost. This is why you want it. This is why you want to experience. This is why you don't want somebody getting in your ear and say, shake my cow. Coming after religion because we've had, there's too many people that sit in churches and they've said, hey, shake my cow, hold my horn, whatever you want to say. And make you say a few words and say, you just got it. No, you didn't. You got man-made religion. Nobody orchestrates this. Nobody creates this. This is a God's gift out of heaven that falls on a person, comes inside of them, and consumes them and changes them forever. Are you thankful for Pentecost? Give a hand clap. Give a hand clap. That's what's inside of you. Here's my fear. I'm preaching along because you guys haven't got to be out much, so I, get, I got an excuse today. Those that are home, they've already went to the refrigerator twice. You're thinking about going back, aren't you? And here's my struggle, though. I preached a message several years ago. I didn't want to do it today. I did, but I didn't. That too many people got a dip and not an immersion. There's too many Y's, Z's, millennials that have so much questioning about this because promoted throughout the, the world and religion is a dip, was a dip, not an immersion. And there's a great difference. A dip doesn't change you. An immersion changes you. And when Simon Peter preached in the book of Acts and he used the word, you will be baptized, when they talked about it, it was not a dip. It was not just a going down in the water and coming up. It was an immersion. And this was my illustration I used several years ago. Some of you who were here might remember it. You take a cucumber. Anybody like cucumbers? Love them in my salad. But they're kind of bland. Just start eating the cucumber. You want to add a little ranch dip? You want to add something to it, don't you? Because it's just kind of a water-based thing. And you take that cucumber and get you a big, the other day, Jake and Rissa came over and we were fixing hamburgers. They said, got any pickles? I brought, bought out my Velastic jar. I brought out my cloth and chug. I brought out my Mount Olive Zestis. And I brought out my dill chips. If you want a pickle, you can come to my house. We got pickles. Because I love Pickles. 
But if you come to my house and say, I got, I got some pickles for you, and you bring out that velastic jar and you bring a, a, a cucumber, and you dip that cucumber down in the stuff and hand it to me, it's been dipped. But what's it going to taste like? Thank you, Don. Glad to have you here today. He said it's going to taste like a cucumber for the rest of you that are not culinary specialists. It's going to taste like a cucumber. You can take that pickle and, and dip it like three or four times. You're going to get a little, what are you going to do? You're going to lick the, the, the dill part. Because that cucumber is still going to taste like a cucumber. But when that cucumber has been dilled, when it has been immersed, when it has been saturated, when it has been completely redesigned, totally changed, created into something else, when you pull it out, its color is different. You know you're getting ready to pull out and you're going to taste a zesty, powerful, zingy crunch of a dill pickle and you're going to go, mmm, that was the best pickle I ever have had. Some of you, I know as soon as you leave here, you're headed to Kroger right now. Get you some pickles. Can I tell you, the world does not need a church full of dipped. We need a church full of saturated, filled to the brim over and over and over and over and over and over again saying, God, Reimmerse me. God, refill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what will change this world. That's what will heal this nation. That's what will cause things in your life to go into a dimension you cannot experience. I'm here to tell you, you need to pray. Even if you say, well, I know I got the whole, you need to pray that you have an immersion, that you have a saturated life. Too many Christians that are cucumbers, not pickle. And see, when you are filled with the power of his Holy Spirit, it does something different in your life. Immersed people come out changed. This is when it began to hit me. There's, there's too many people that sit in what we call apostolic, that they've been dipped. But they have not been immersed. And it's easy to walk away from it. It's easy to question it. But for those of you who got baptized with the fire and the wind of the Holy Spirit, there ain't nothing that's going to take you away from this experience. That's why this church has stayed tied to the Holy Spirit through all the things we've went through in our lives, through all the challenges. Nothing is going to separate me from this power because I experienced it and I know that it's real. And that's why I pray for every young person, why I pray for a move in our, in our youth group, why I pray for our exes and our wives. I don't question why you question because you've not ever seen it. And I just keep saying, God, you've got to send another day of Pentecost. And if he can do it once, he can do it again. Nothing like the power of Pentecost. It changes. What does it do? It takes cowards and makes them courageous. Can I tell you that? Go, go, you know, oh, I'm not sure. You know, I, I've been reading Google. No, I've been reading that guy down in the basements thing. And I've been re 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 reading this guy with this the theology degree that has 14 letters behind his name. 
I don't care what they have behind their name. I've experienced what they experienced on the day of Pentecost. And you will never, ever take that experience and ever be able to convince me that the power of God is anything less than miraculous when it hits a person's life. And so go with me. Go with me to Simon Peter, three and a half years with Jesus. I am coming to close, I promise, within the next half hour to 45 minutes. Go to with me and sit with me at the upper room when Jesus says, everybody's going to deny me. And Simon Peter, three and a half years with Jesus, doing miracles, watching miracles. You got the keys to the kingdom. You are super awesome. Also called him Satan. He gets to the upper room, and Jesus says, everybody in this room is going to deny me. And suddenly there's silence. And Simon Peter says, no. And then everybody says, no, we're not going to do it. But then we watch as Jesus goes to the cross, and the disciples scatter like marbles coming out of a broken bag. And Simon Peter tries to be the pretend dude, like, I'm going to be close enough where I can say, oh, I was there. This is my bad feeling right now sometimes I get. We were talking pastors, a couple of pastors, I was talking, was like, how do you know what, where your church is at? And they're like, I don't, I don't know. Well, you, you, we can't look at the numbers on YouTube or Facebook. Because you can watch for five minutes and go, hey, were you at church today? Oh, yeah, I watched. I watched the first song. Oh, by the way, just in case you all, some of you want to know, I do know that as soon as I start preaching, the numbers go down. But I also see the numbers go up too. And it really didn't matter what I see, it's God that knows your heart. And what excuse do you have for not showing up on a Wednesday night? Woo, got quiet. Well, let's go back to lighting this thing up. See, that's Simon Peter. That's, that's who we are. We want to be close enough to say, oh, yeah, we were there. We didn't really. But you were a coward. You denied him three times. But I didn't do what they did. Stop comparing yourself among yourselves, the Scripture says. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, with awe and respect. And Simon Peter, get back to that. That was free, even though you didn't want to buy it. He's there at that moment, and he, and he denies him, and he weeps bitterly. So from that moment to Acts chapter 3, or Acts chapter 2, or Acts chapter 4, show me anything that he did that causes him to move from coward to courageous. He cried. Oh, that's a nice, warm, generational feeling. I had tears. Does that change you from coward to courageous? Well, he went bitterly. He was really sorrowful. Is that, is that the life change? Is that the moment? Was there something? Can you find anything in Scripture for me that, that is a dynamic shift that would cause that? I can. He ate fish with Jesus. He jumped out of the boat half naked and swam to the shore. Man, I think I could do that. Skinny dipping and then you get, go from coward to courageous. No. One thing. 
one thing. Go wait on the promise in Jerusalem. And on that day, this is that which was prophesied by the prophet of Joel, that I will pour my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. That is the life-changing moment that creates a totally different man that takes him from coward to courageous. It's the thing that says as he's walking down the road in chapter 3 that gives him boldness, that looks at a man that he had seen probably hundreds of times that Jesus had seen and left sitting outside the gate. He looks at him and says, silver and gold have I none. But now I got something I didn't have just a few days ago when I walked by here. I have the power of God in me and I recognize that I have been baptized with something. And what I have, I take your hand and I tell you, stand up and walk. And the man stands up and is jumping and up and down. You can't make that up. That's the power of God. They get inside the temple and he, the, the man's sitting there jumping up and down. By what power did you do this? We did this by the power of God that is inside of us. And the scripture says there that the Pharisees, those religious leaders of the day, took note of something. Who's gone? Jesus. But they took note that he, they had been with Jesus because they wasn't just Jesus with them anymore. They saw Jesus inside them. They saw the power of the resurrection inside of them. There is boldness. There is power when you are filled with the power of the Spirit. There is the, there's a lack of fear. There's an ability to trust with all the fear that's going on right now. There should there's a young man, his name's Victor Jackson. I don't know if you saw it on Facebook. He's an apostolic minister. And as soon as he saw what was going on in Minneapolis, the spirit inside of him quickened him and said, you need to get on a plane and get up there. He's an African-American man. He hopped on a plane out of, I believe, Florida, flew up to Minneapolis, dropped himself right in the middle of that. And without fear, begin preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you, when you experience the power and the boldness of God, it changes who you are and what you do. He believes without a shadow of doubt that he has a message. And what message is that? It's the day of Pentecost message. Acts 10. Since we're... I try to keep politics and try to keep, I just want church to be church. Is that okay? I don't bring, I'm trying not to bring all the societal problems in here. Leave that to the pundits. It's a sad day. But can I tell you, this is what I will say. That in Acts chapter 10, you see the power of Pentecost to heal racial divides. No God, this message, as awesome as it was, was only being preached to Jewish people. Only one little sect, one little group. Hmm, that kind of reminds me of today. There's some people that say, this is only for certain people. If you do certain things that you can experience Pentecost. And Simon Peter's the one leading the charge. I'm preaching all, man, I'm preaching this message to all the Jewish people all over. Acts chapter 10, sheet drops down in front of him while he's upstairs taking a little nap. Boom. It's a sheet with all this stuff that's unclean on it. And God says, eat. He says, no. Three times, no, I'm not eating it. That's, that's, that goes against my, 
That's against my theology. I, we've had that, this for, man, my, grandmar- my grandparents, my grandparents, my grandparents, they, we've had this forever. God said, I don't care what you had forever. I said, eat. He's like, I don't understand. There's a knock on the door. And it's some Gentiles saying, hey, we got sin here. We've been praying for, for something, and we don't know what you got, but you're supposed to come with us. And Simon Peter goes, this ain't going to go well with the brethren. I face that. This ain't going well with the brethren. But sometimes you got to do what God says, God, you do over what the brethren say you got to do. He said, okay, here we go. I don't know. I'm, I'm going into the hood. That's you and I, the Galatians, the Gentiles. We're the, I'm going in. Protect my backside, guys. I don't know what they're about like. And he goes in and like, we want what you got. Can I tell you something? 2,000 years and all that stuff that you're seeing going on, really what they're crying out is, we want what you got. We want what you got. Somehow, you got something that changed how your family is. You got something that changed how you live, how you look at life differently. We want what you got. Will you tell us what it is? And he says, well, we went and prayed in the upper room, and we were just praying, and God said something about this promise. And then all of a sudden, boom, there was a spiritually nuclear explosion that hit us in fire and wind and stuff. Before there was ever earth, wind, and fire. There's Pentecost. <laughs> Philip Bailey. <laughs> XYs. Go YouTube. Philip Bailey. Earth, wind, and fire. Before that ever hit, there was this. And it was so powerful that as Simon Peter began to preach that word in a broken world of Gentiles who such called up in immorality. They experience it, and God lets the power of the Spirit fall. And Simon Peter says, what are we going to do now? God went and jumped the fence. And those who are not like us are now like us. Can I tell you, if we ever get a hold of the power of God that is inside of and what fell on that day of Pentecost, it will jump the fence. It can change our world in a way that we cannot believe. He said, they have you, I want you to hear what they said. Because well, well, I don't know about that tongue. What are we going to do? They just did the very same thing we did in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. Well, it was just for them. No, it happened over and over and over, and it's happening now. When I pray, I say, God, what happened at Acts? Let it happen now. What happened at Azusa? Let it happen now. What happened in Houston, Texas? Let it happen now. What happened in Topeka, Kansas? Back in the 1900s, let it happen now. I'm here to tell you, it just keeps falling. Stan, encourage me to close. It fell. The power of the Spirit. They hear him speaking in languages that they didn't know just like before. God's Spirit begins to, that confirmation that God is in us. And when it, when it hit them, I want you to see one more thing. What are we going to do? We're going to baptize them. Baptize them in the name of Jesus. 
ain't nothing like the day of Pentecost. I'm here to challenge you this morning. We've had a lot of fun. We've laughed. But we need a culture in this church. And churches, I hope people that are watching and streaming all over, a culture of immersion of the Spirit. How many of you would be honest enough to say it's been a long time since I've been filled? Since you just got lost and the power of the Holy Spirit just came over you. And how that experience looked, I don't know. You don't always have to speak in a language unknown. You will speak and you, hopefully you, will, you can do that multiple times. Paul said in Corinthians, oh yeah, because it was still falling. And it was Paul who wrote all 12 epistles who said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Oh, but it's not for today. Dude, you're going to have to mess with Paul. You've got to throw out the entire epistles. It, it, it is that. And there's a refreshing that comes through that. But it's not only that. There is something about when the power of spirit falls, there's people that just simply just weep and they cannot stop crying. They're just overwhelmed by the power of the spirit. There's the people that are overwhelmed with dance and joy. It's not chaotic, but it's, it, it can be controlled. But you're just so excited. Can I tell you? If, you, if you've settled into anything less than that, I'm going to challenge you to understand. If we're not careful, we go back to eating cucumbers instead of pickles. And we wonder why people aren't interested how many people want, hey, want to sit down to eat a, a raw cucumber? Please don't, everybody in this building, raise your hand like I'm some kind of weirdo. But how many would love to have a pickle right now? Oh, good. I, I got a few hands. Thank you, girls. I love you all back there. You're now on my favorite side right there. Good to have you girls this morning. So I don't care if it's sweet or dill, whichever. You like to have pickles. You... Why? There's flavor. And I'm here to say that if we're not careful, we allow life and allow religion and allow things to sap out the, the taste of Pentecost. It's the greatest experience that we can experience. We need to be constantly say, God, reimmerse us in your spirit. Too many, I'm afraid, in our audience online and here in this building have experienced something less or it's been too long. And I can't, we can't come up here and have an altar and weep all over it. And maybe that's the best thing because we don't need an emotional response. We need a spiritual response. Can I say that again? We don't need an emotional response. We need a spiritual response. And I hope I've created some kind of hunger inside of you that said, man, it's been a long time since I just got immersed in it. And I lost track of time and just got lost in God's presence. That wind and fire just touched my soul. To those that sit in this room that have never experienced that, or you allowed it to be dis diminished, I'm challenging you today to say, God, if it's real, and it's okay to question me, it's okay that 
if it's real, let us experience it. Let me experience it in my home. I don't believe it has to be created by a key change in a band. I don't believe it has to be created by smoke and lights. I believe the power of God can simply fall on your life, setting in your bedroom, setting in your car, setting in your basement, setting in your office, anywhere. There is no place that the river of the Spirit cannot get to. I weary sometimes of those who have experienced a a religious formula. I want to be transparent enough here. There's a time, youth camps, that the kids would wear the bands so that they would know the kids that didn't have, who had the Holy Spirit didn't, they would turn the bands over to determine the difference so that they could go and help them. I'm here to tell you, I am opposed to that. God can fill you with His wonderful gift all by Himself. It is His free gift, and He wants to give it freely. And to those that are online, and to those that are set in this room that have experienced that kind of thing, it can tarnish you. It can turn you away from it. But I'm here to challenge you. Say, God, I want what we're selling to, celebrating today, the day of Pentecost. Give me an immersion in my life. Let me experience what Simon Peter experienced. James, John, Mary, the 120. That spiritual pandemic that hit 3,000, 5,000, a city. And then he's come and turned our world upside down. If he did it again, can we pray, church, that he would do it again today? Don't settle for anything less. It's not something you have to do. It's not a religion. It is the greatest experience that you'll ever experience. Thanks for listening to Fisher's Life. Be sure to follow or subscribe to get the latest message every Monday.